Thank you, Sarah. We've got young people that are starting to learn the soundboard. A lot of folks, that's not an easy thing to do, and we need to thank the Lord. If you can hear, even when you don't want to, if you can hear in this church, thank the sound committee, okay? Um, A couple of things. Uh, Steve Evans lost an aunt, and I did not write that down. Her name was Betsy Dorton down in Bladenboro, and so he is on the way down there. So just remember that family also. And that video clip that you just looked at is that's uh, the group, this, uh, the young group of uh, young girls, grades 6 to 12, that meet. They're called BFF, and that stands for Beauty, Faith, and Beauty. Beauty found in faith. Okay. Uh, and all of those, all of that was here at church that we just saw. And just want to make you aware that if you have uh, a young lady that age group, grade six to twelve, they're going to meet this this Friday night at six o'clock in the fellowship hall. I want you to turn back with me to First Peter chapter one, and I'm going to read again uh, verses thirteen to twenty-one. I pray that God is speaking through His Word, and. Um, Folks, I believe that if we are faithful in studying and hearing and letting the Spirit of God take the Word of God and speak to our hearts and minds, that God will do something in us. Sometimes it's things we don't want to do, isn't it? I mean, we, we have a constant battle, and I believe living a holy life is one of the things that we battle with, all of us. And if you don't have a battle with that... Uh, God bless you. I'm proud for you. But I want you to know that there's a very important purpose, I think, in this passage of Scripture. If we're going to reach the world for Christ, we must live like we belong to Him. Um, there's a group that I love. It's a hippie group from back in the 60s, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Why am I telling you this? I got a point, okay? One of their songs, they say... Too many people have lied in the name of Christ for many to heed the call. Now, it's easy to criticize the church, and I know that. We've got a big target on us. Satan has got a lot of darts that he's firing at us. But I hope that they'll never be justified, that we have the name of being a follower of Christ but don't act like it. We must live lives that are not lies and hypocritical, but lives that are pure and genuinely committed to Christ. I'm saying that to myself. All of us falter and fail. Thank God for his daily forgiveness. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tommy. <laughs> no, I heard all. Let's pray together and we'll get going, okay? Father, help us to do more than talk about living a holy life. God, help us to surrender our hearts, our minds, our bodies, all that we are to you so that you can live in us, empower us with your spirit to rise above temptation and the the attacks of Satan. And Lord, help us that day by day it will become our nature to live like your son. And, Lord, we know that the way that you lived is contrary to what is popular in our society today. Thank you that you denied yourself and you took up your cross for us. 
So help us, Father, that we would be willing to deny ourselves and take up not a physical cross but a spiritual cross and follow you. And in so following you, our lives would be holy and set apart for your kingdom's work. Father, speak to every heart in these moments ahead. Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. Thank you, Lord, for restoring us. Thank you, Father, that when we get knocked out in the first round, you pick us back up and enable us to finish the fight. Father, be in our midst, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let me read again these verses. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 21, and I'll try and read through them today without making a lot of comments, okay? So now you can look forward soberly and intelligently to more of God's kindness to you when, Christ, when Jesus Christ returns. Just read this passage of Scripture. It will just, it's just so plain and simple and to the point. Listen to this. Obey God because you are his children. Don't slip back into your old ways doing evil because you knew no better. Go ahead. But be holy now in everything you do, just as the Lord is holy who invited you to be his child. He himself has said, you must be holy for I am holy. And remember that your heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites when he judges. He will judge you with perfect justice for everything you do, so act in reverent fear of him from now on until you get to heaven. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to salvation which your fathers tried to take, and that was saving themselves. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know, but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began, but only recently was he brought into public view in these last days as a blessing to you. Because of this, your trust can be in God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. Last Sunday, we talked about ten characteristics of a holy person, and I'm just going to read through these again. We don't have the scripture that we had last week. But let me just mention these ten characteristics, and we're going to move on, okay? Number one, a holy person is not an odd person, but a different person. Therefore, a Christian's life has a quality about it that is different. Number two, a Christian's lifestyle is not only different from their past way of life, but is different from the lifestyles of unbelievers around them. Look around you at people who do not profess faith in Jesus Christ. If you're living the same way they do, if we're living the same way they do, what does that say to us? Something is wrong. There should be something different about us. Verse 3, to be holy means we are like our Lord and Master, Jesus. Number 4, to be holy means to reflect the nature of our Heavenly Father. When God created Adam and Eve, whose image did he make them in? The answer to that is Genesis 1, 26 and 28. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And folks, what that meant at the original creation, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Only when sin came into the world and Adam and Eve disobeyed God did that image become tarnished. And that's why 
this new creation, number five, in Christ, the new creation of Christ and our Heavenly Father is placed in the believer as we submit to His Lordship. Folks, when you and I are born again into the kingdom of God, that image of God that was, that was marred and hurt and destroyed in a sense by sin is reestablished in us. And folks, living a holy life cannot be done except as Christ lives in us. It is the work not of ourselves, but of the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Number six, holy also means to be set apart for God's service. And folks, listen. If we're all called to be holy, then we're all called to be what? Set apart for the service of God. Every single one of us has been given some talent to be used in the kingdom of God. Did you know that? Folks, that is the absolute truth. There's not a one of us, there's not a single church member who has not been called out to be a minister. Okay? Maybe not the pastor, maybe not the deacon or a Sunday school teacher, but all of us have been called out to be servants in the kingdom of God. And we need to believe that and we need to live that out. And that's one of the concepts of being holy. Number seven, to be holy means we are under new management. Who manages you? Who's in control? A holy person under the lordship of Jesus Christ is managed by the Lord. He is our supervisor. He is our God. Number eight, being holy is our responsibility as Christians, and please notice this, in our inner life as well as in our outer walk. And folks, what that means is this. Inside, the Lord Jesus is abiding. You remember John 15, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. Folks, being holy means Jesus is abiding in us and ruling over us, but also being holy means that our outer walk betrays Jesus. Number nine, absolute holiness cannot be achieved in this life, but God expects all areas of our lives to be in the process of being completely conformed to God's will and plan for us. And that's the biblical concept of sanctification. We're not perfect yet, but brother and sister, we're headed that way because one day we'll be with Jesus and we'll be, be like him. And folks, let me tell you, we're going to have this battle with sin until that time, okay? But here's number 10, and this is one of the ones I like the best. A holy person struggles throughout their Christian life, but not, does not surrender to Satan, self, or sin, but keeps going back to Christ for more strength. And as I shared with you at the end of the sermon last week, we must fight the good fight, we must finish the race, we must keep the faith. Okay? Well, this morning, I want us to pick up, before we look at these verses, I want to give just a few statements of introduction about, about this book of First Peter, and actually First and Second Peter, okay? And, and again, this might not seem important to you. If you've been reading these eight chapters, a hundred and something verses, if you've been reading them and studying them, I hope this is going to help you understand a little bit more about what Peter's purpose was, Okay. First and Second Peter are written by the Apostle Peter. And, and this is simple, but folks, if people come up to you and say, well, why do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Because people that saw Jesus and knew Him, many of them are authors of books in the New Testament. 
Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. First of all, he says that he's an apostle. Peter has sold out for Christ. Peter's life has been set apart for Christ. And so the Spirit of God can speak to him and he can in turn speak the Word of God to churches. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, again as the book begins, Peter introduces himself as the author. And listen to what he says this time. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle. And folks, I want to point something out. I believe that that is such a beautiful thing to say that he is a servant. This means that Peter has become a voluntary slave to Christ. Let me say that again. Peter has become a voluntary slave to Christ. And folks, this is one of the terms that the Apostle Paul uses in most of the letters that he writes. Folks, there's something very powerful about these, this statement. Peter could have walked away from the Lord that night that Jesus was tried, and Peter could have said, that's it, I'm going back to fishing for the rest of my life. I'm going to become a hermit. I'll never mention the name of Jesus again. But Peter becomes a voluntary slave to Christ, an apostle set apart to do the work of God. And so he identifies himself as the author of these two books. Now, why did I say that? Folks, remember who Peter is. He is a man who has been saved by Jesus. He has been called into the ministry by Jesus. He is empowered by Jesus. He is commissioned by Jesus. He is sent out by Jesus. You say, well, big deal. Well, folks, let me ask you something. Wouldn't that describe you and me? And also as a church, we've been saved by Jesus. Would you say that if you're a Christian? We've been called out by Jesus. We've been empowered by Jesus. We've been commissioned by Jesus. And thank God when the service is over, we're going to be sent out in this community to tell others about Jesus Christ. If we were honest, that's what this is all about. Folks, listen. Peter knew that Jesus was the Son of God. No doubt in his mind. Peter knew that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And let me give you some verses of Scripture, okay? Let me just read some of these to you, okay? 1 Peter 1, 3. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, that seems like just any other Bible statement, doesn't it? But folks, listen, first of all, Peter says he has been born anew. He has been born from above. John 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And folks, listen, he says, I've got a living hope. Folks, it always, and, and this is not a criticism, it always disturbs me when people say, well, I think I'm saved. That's like saying you think you're married. You Either you are or you aren't. You know what I'm saying? And Peter says that he had a living hope within him. It was not because of who he was, but because of who Jesus Christ is. And who is Jesus Christ? The one resurrected from the dead. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no guile was found on his lips. 
When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he trusted him to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. Now look at this phrase, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. What does that mean? That's another way of saying living a holy life. We're dead to sin. We've been raised in Christ to live a holy, righteous life. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. And folks, listen to this verse right here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. You might want to mark this. Matter of fact, I would, I would ask you to highlight or mark this verse in your Bible. And, and like in a lot of places in Scripture... Paul is, uh, Peter is trying to encourage the elders in the church, but he makes a tremendous statement. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5, 1. So I exalt the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Now look at that word witness right there. A witness of the suffering of Christ. Let me read this verse in the Living Bible. With my own eyes, I saw Christ dying on the cross, and I too will share his glory and his honor when he returns. Folks, again, I want to point something out. As Peter is writing this letter, Peter knows who Jesus Christ is. And let me once again say, Peter is saying Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died. He was buried. He was resurrected. Jesus had, did not have any sin Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And Peter is an example of this in Acts chapter 2 and following where the Spirit of God followed upon Peter and he preaches and thousands of people are saved. Peter also knew the forgiving love of Jesus. Peter knew what failure was like, but he also knew about Christ's restoration. Folks, how can you and I go out and tell the world that Jesus is the Savior of God if we don't know for sure? Now, I want to tell you, I, I've not been a witness to Jesus dying on the cross, but I am a witness that Jesus can change a person's heart and life because he changed mine. Amen. But, folks, I believe the words of these men who literally saw Jesus. And I want to ask you something. Who are you trusting today? There's a lot of people saying that, that Jesus was just a good historical figure. He was a good man. He was a good prophet. But he was no different when it came to the end of the line. Folks, he was different because, first of all, he was the Son of God sent from heaven down to earth, and he volunteered to come. Secondly, when he died on the cross, he died to carry all of our sins upon himself, and he faced judgment for us. And when he was placed in the grave, he rose again from the dead. Folks, these people in Peter's day were living, they were living witnesses, but they were willing to die for the gospel. Would you die for something that you did not believe actually happened? Let me point out this next verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We've read it before, but I want to look at it in a different way. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and then listen to what he says. To the exiles of the dispersion 
in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And that might seem, well, what's the big deal about that? Folks, let me tell you something. Peter is writing to persecuted Christians who got scattered throughout Asia Minor. Being a Christian in that day was not an easy way of life. And in Peter's day, when this letter was written, the world was becoming more and more hostile to the gospel and to the church. Folks, our world is not the only generation scorned by the critics of the gospel. But Peter, Peter had been saved. The old crusty fisherman had turned over and become a new man. And he was willing to die for the cause of Christ. And let me tell you something else about Peter. And this is something I really like. Can you imagine Peter trying to, trying to write these two books by himself? Now, now, let's just stop just a minute. We know, remember we read last week uh, in, in Acts chapter 4 that after he and John healed the cripple, that the scribes and Pharisees and all that crowd got real mad with them because they said they're uneducated common men. And all of us keep saying, we can't do certain things for the Lord because we just can't do that. Folks, let me point out something. And again, this might not seem very important, but in 1 Peter chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, look at these verses. By Silvanus. Who in the world is Silvanus? Well, listen to this. A faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you. Surely Peter didn't have much education, but God always provides someone to help us complete our mission and ministry, doesn't it? And this might seem like a simple task, but Silvanus, traveling apparently with Peter, had been his secretary. Thank God for secretaries. Amen. Where you at, friend? (laughs) Peter probably didn't know real good Greek. He might have got his education from South Carolina. I don't know. But God provided Silvanus to be with Peter. And let me tell you something. If you and I try and live a holy life, God will provide people that will walk alongside of us and help us in the ministry that God has called us into. And folks, look around you. We're supposed to be supporting each other. Did you know that? That's what being in the church is all about, isn't it? It's not only being there when there's something tragic and sad happening, but when we're trying to live our day-to-day life. God gave Silvanus the Peter to write down what he was saying. And listen to what he says, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. And then listen to what he says in verse 13. This sounds strange at first, doesn't it? She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greeting, and so does my son Mark. Folks, listen. Peter is writing from Babylon. Now, now listen. In the Old Testament, that was a real city. But in the New Testament, it is thought that Babylon was the nickname, the Christian nickname for the city of Rome. And just as in the Old Testament, Babylon had represented one of the most ungodly cities of the day. In that day, Peter's day, Rome was the supreme center of ungodliness in the first century. And guess where God had sent Peter? To Babylon, to Rome. Where is he going to send us? Into a world that is lost and dying without Christ, but... He wants to use us. 
Folks, let me tell you something. If the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and that is the words of Jesus, then if we surrender ourselves wholeheartedly to Christ, even though Satan attacks his church, the church will prevail because of Jesus Christ. Christians, many of them were killed. Many were persecuted. We already know that. This last man that Peter mentioned, so does my son Mark. It's thought that Mark was actually the writer of the Gospel of Mark that was with Peter. And and much of the Gospel of Mark reflects what Peter knew about the Lord. God was at work in, in, in many ways. Folks, My whole point is, when you and I dedicate ourselves to being holy people, God is going to start working in our lives in ways that we never expected or could have imagined. Folks, I'm not dreaming here. I'm just telling you what I believe to be the truth. The the, the letters of 1 and 2 Peter are thought to have been written about 60 A.D., which would have been about 30 years after Christ had ascended back into heaven. This man who had faltered and sputtered and failed on the night of Jesus' trial has now served faithfully 30 years. And as he is preparing to end his journey, he wants to pass on encouragement to the churches. Peter did not want to stop serving the Lord until he died He knew that he was set apart for the work of the kingdom of God. How do you and I feel about it? And again, folks, we need revival in our churches. It's not that God no longer cares about our world or works in our world. God's primary source of work and workmen is the church of Jesus Christ. And folks, we can only begin to fulfill the calling to be the church until we say to the Lord, Here am I. I want to sell myself out to you. And I'm not trying to sell this to you. I'm just simply trying to point out what the Scriptures say. And folks, as we close this morning, I want, to, I, want to give you, I want to give you in these verses 13 to 21, I believe that Peter presents five spiritual incentives or reasons to encourage Christians to maintain a different, a holy lifestyle and walk in a sin-filled world. And this is very simple, five incentives, five spiritual incentives to live a holy life. And and notice I got under there Warren Wiersbe. These these ideas come from him, okay? He's a Bible scholar. And this is so simple, isn't it? We should be seeking to live a holy life, number one, because Jesus is coming again. Do you believe that? I don't know if Christianity believes that. If someone has said, if we truly believe Jesus Christ was coming back, we'd try to warn everybody we could that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and we need to get right. He's on the what? Number two, the holiness of God. Aren't you proud when your children are born and they look like you? Aren't you? Don't you think it blesses God's heart when we look like Him? Number three, the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God says that we are to be holy as God is holy. That's God's Word to us. Number four, the judgment of God. 
And number five, the love of God. Those two last things. You know, I, I, I forget, maybe it was two Sundays ago, you remember we read those verses about how all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every Christian will give an account of himself. Peter even says in the first letter that judgment's going to begin with the household of God. I never thought about that much, but look, who's going to be taken out of the world first? It's going to be the church. It's going to be the children of God. This is a whole other sermon, but I want to just quickly tell you something. Why are we going to stand, if we're saved, why are we going to stand before the judgment seat of God? Sin's not going to be allowed to get into heaven. All of us are sinners, right? Even as born-again Christians, correct? All right. We're not going to go into heaven with hard feelings against each other. That's just an example, folks. But folks, I'm not trying to tell you live a holy life because judgment of God, we're going to face a judgment of God. You know what I think? When we look into the eyes of Jesus, I'm not trying to over-dramatize this. When we look into his eyes, when we look at his hands, when we look at the spear mark in his side, and we realize it was real, that Jesus loved me and you enough to take all of the sins of the world upon himself. Can you imagine that? Just the sin of my life and your life. Can you imagine that? But Jesus died for us. And one day as we look into his eyes, I think we'll be like Thomas, won't we? My Lord and my God. Why didn't I surrender myself? When we look around us and see people missing in heaven, if, if we're given the knowledge of that, why didn't we live before them as we should? Folks, this scripture, these verses, bear our attention, merit our attention. And I pray that in the privacy of your home, you'll sit and read these eight chapters and you'll let Peter and the Word of God speak to you. Let's pray together. Father, sometimes, Lord, I'm just glad when the sermon's over. But God, help us to see that we've had 25 to 30 minutes to spend in the Word of God. We've had time to allow the Spirit of God to take the words of Scripture, the inspired words of Scripture, to plot our hearts and minds. And Father, help us to take advantage of these moments to hear the Spirit of God speaking to our hearts. Lord, I pray this morning, if there are those here that, that they're uncertain, they don't know for sure if they're saved. Oh God, speak to their heart. Speak to our hearts. Lord, help us that we'll find that assurance as we lean not upon ourselves for salvation, 
our church membership or our baptism, but help us, Father, to trust completely and totally in your Son who gave himself for us. And, Father, help us to heed the word as Christians that your desire for us, even your expectation of us, is that we would be holy as you are holy. Father, convict me of my many sins and my shortcomings which are keeping me from serving you to the fullest. Convict us all, Father. Lord, help us that we'll make new commitments. Lord, we can't turn ourselves around, but you can when you find a willing heart. And Lord, help us that we would be willing to be so sold out to you under your management, set apart for your service, that when we leave this place and live before others this week, that they'll see that we're different. We're different because we're following Jesus Christ and he lives in our hearts and empowers us to Christian service. Father, wake us up as a church. God, thank you for all the good things that you're doing here. But Lord, help us to see that there's much, much more. And Lord, help us to reach into a community that has what appears to be many that do not yet know Christ. And help us to love them and share Jesus with them. In these moments of invitation, may the Spirit of God be in control. And may we respond to him. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number 174, I Gave Myself My Life for Thee. Would you listen to the words of this hymn? And if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, would you come? If he's not speaking, please don't. But if he is, the altar's open. You don't even have to say a word to me. If the Spirit of God is speaking, would you come? Let us stand.